let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to study tonight the gospel that saves. All right. We've already seen the content of the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. We've moved on to the use of the gospel. Yeah, that would be chiefly its communication. Its communication. In the one case, the gospel goes out. In the other, the gospel comes in. And tonight, my brothers and sisters in the Lord, let's consider what the gospel does for us. Okay? Let's pray. Father, as we open your word, we ask that you will use it in our hearts to strengthen us, to um, excite us, Lord. We pray that we will really treasure this aspect of the gospel, and we pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. AC or DC? Those are types of electric current. In DC power, the flow of an electronic charge goes in one direction. Things like flashlights and cell phones, those use DC power. But with AC power, the flow of electricity goes in both directions. Not at the same time, I don't think, but maybe I'm wrong. It goes in both directions. And things that plug into the wall at home, those are the kinds of things that use AC power. DC power comes from batteries. AC power comes through the wires that come from your home's breaker box. Now, for those of you who are particularly not interested in electronic current, you've probably already checked out because those, de those details are pretty boring. Uh, they may not be your cup of tea. And perhaps that's been the way that you've come to the uses of the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15.1. Perhaps you've lost interest because of all these mundane details. The fact that Paul made the gospel known, Paul preached the gospel, the Corinthians received it, the Corinthians still believe it. Okay, so one announces the gospel, another accepts the gospel. Why are we taking all the time to go over that? Well, I do think it does matter, absolutely. And in the last messages, I tried to draw conclusions that show God's grace in those aspects or our particular need for those things. But when we get to 1 Corinthians 15, 2, the lights come on and it's just dazzling. So let's look at it together. 1 Corinthians 15, 2, the Bible says the gospel by which you are being saved. And this is the practical effect of the gospel. And that practical effect by the gospel comes salvation. The gospel message is the means by which a sinful person is delivered from the just wrath of God. And let's fill that truth out together by ask, answering, asking and answering these questions. What is salvation? Who is saved? And how is that accomplished? Okay. What is the salvation? Who is saved? And how is that accomplished? So three points tonight. First, God saves. And to save is to deliver or to rescue. In the Old Testament, the classic example is the fact that God saved his people Israel. And that was illustrated by the Red Sea. He parted the Red Sea and sent them through. He saved Israel from the Egyptians. In the New Testament, to save means to deliver or to heal. So you have the disciples pleading with Jesus to save them from the storm. Or you have Jesus healing the Gerasene demoniac. He made him whole. But the point of this idea of saving is that one person acts upon another 
and he transfers that person from an unfavorable situation to a favorable situation, from unsafe to safe, from unwell to well. Yet we have to figure out what is the unfavorable situation that God saves from. Well, we see that in Romans chapter 5, verse 9, where it says this. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Ephesians 2, 3 say, we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So the unfavorable situation that man finds himself in is under the wrath of God. That's one realm you'd say that man is saved from the second is from being in sin you know that jesus was named jesus because the name jesus means he will save his people from their sin matthew 121 so we learn in the one case that the unfavorable situation is being under the judgment of god the second is being in sin and we learn from moses that the pleasures of sin are fleeting Sin promises pleasure, but it can't deliver it. And to be entangled in sin is just a terrible state. So to save is to deliver from these. It's God who saves. It's God who delivers and rescues. And to be saved is to be the object of someone else's saving work. As you look at uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 2, notice that the verb is passive. You are being saved it's not that the corinthians were saving others or they're saving themselves someone else was saving them and while it's not stated in chapter 15 verse 2 the common agent of salvation is the lord you'd know that from the cross reference in first corinthians first corinthians 121 god was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe the point is salvation is not a DIY operation. Indeed, there are many people that think so because the religion says so. According to the religion, God was going to weigh their works and he's going to find that the scales tip towards them being a good person. That's their, what the religion says. But the problem with that is that man can't save himself. Man's deliverance comes from outside of himself. It comes from God. As it so well says in the book of Jonah, chapter 2, verse 9, salvation is from the Lord. So God saves. Point one. Point two. Sinners need to be saved. The Corinthians were sinners. We know that because verse 2 says you are being saved. That's the Corinthians. They needed salvation. But the Apostle Paul was also a sinner. He said in 1 Timothy 1.15, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. So with the Corinthians, he confesses back in 1 Corinthians 15.3, Christ died for our sins, all of us. Jesus died as a penalty for the sins that were not his own. That's the gospel truth. The sad reality is that sin hardens sinners toward their own sin. Sin hardens sinners to their own sin. Think about what the Pharisee prayed. He said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. 
I fast twice a week. I give tithes. I give tithes of all that I get. You see, many people, even very religious people, struggle to take responsibility for their sin. And given that tendency, our, our prayer ought to be that sinners will confess their sin, just like the tax collector did. The tax collector said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And that's our prayer for our unsaved family, especially our kids, that they will identify themselves correctly as sinners. And they'll feel their need for salvation because God doesn't condone sin. Romans 5.16, the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. So our prayer is that the unsaved, our, our family members, our children, they would take God's stance towards sin and they would seek his mercy because God saves and sinners need to be saved. But salvation is not automatic. As if somehow it's deposited into your account without your knowledge. And then on judgment day, you discover, oh, I guess everything's paid. I'm okay. That, that's not how it works. There is a day of salvation on which a sinner is converted and he's trans transferred from being in an unfavorable situation to be in a favorable situation. To being accepted before God. And the point of it is that God has designed salvation so that acceptance before God coincides with acceptance of the gospel. Point three, sinners must believe the gospel to be saved. And in the Corinthians had accepted the gospel they heard. Look at verse one. The gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand. And we read about that in Acts chapter 18, verse 8. The Corinthians believe the gospel they heard. And those who are saved are those who believe. Go back to chapter 1, verse 21. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. So the gospel they believed was the means by which they were saved. They were delivered from sin and delivered from God's wrath. And the gospel we believe is the means by which we are saved, delivered from sin, delivered from God's wrath. And it's when the gospel is believed that the light of the salvation comes on. Like the nitty-gritty of the electric current, AC, DC, there's the nitty-gritty of preaching the gospel and hearing the gospel. But the beauty of all that comes together when a believing soul is saved. The light comes on. It's brilliant. We've all lived with lights, but I remember watching a random documentary on New York City when they basically wired, I think it was Lower Manhattan for the first time, and all the gas lights were replaced with incandescent, and people were just amazed by lights, and it was just mesmerizing, and we kind of have that same idea during Christmas time when we put up extra lights. When things come on, it's just beautiful. And this is where the gospel comes and, and has its effect. When someone is saved from his sin. You see, there's a connection between the gospel of Jesus Christ and the salvation of sinners. And it's that connection that the gospel, when believed, brings salvation. It makes making known the gospel and receiving the gospel and re remaining in the gospel essential for Christians. 
The good news is that God saves sinners who believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. While a lot of other things may have been mundane as far as its communication, this is where God changes us. And there's, there's so much there in salvation. But this is it just in a, in a nutshell. It is by the gospel, by means of the gospel, that you and I are saved. It's not automatic. We can't just hear it. We have to believe it. We have to receive it. We have to accept it. And when we do, we become children of light. And uh, that's our great, great privilege. And by God's grace, we've experienced that. And we get to share that with other folks, that they can be saved. Let's pray. Father, as we close, we ask that you'll encourage us. Thank you for the fact that you did have someone preach to us and we heard it and we received it. Thank you that you saved us by it. We didn't have to do anything for it. So, Lord, thank you so much for that. Help us to rest in that. Help us to rest in the fact that our salvation is from beginning to end of your grace. And uh, we, we are so thankful for that. And we are so thankful for the way that you've laid it out for us. We pray that we be faithful to lay it out for other people so that they could be saved from their sin. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen.